you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, I'm sending out a Mayday. My family's closets just aren't ready for spring. SOS, save our style. Help is here from Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's big thank you sale is going on now. Get the season's newest dresses, tees, and jeans, and 30% off your entire purchase. 40% off when you use or open an Old Navy credit card at Old Navy or Old Navy.com. 40% off? I may need to get to Old Navy. You may want to do that right away. It ends tomorrow. Old Navy saves the day. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 5, 2 to 5, 6. Excludes in-store clearance, gift cards, jewelry, register, land items. Today only and two-day only deals. 40% off is subject to credit approval. See stores or OldNavy.com for details. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, you're listening to the Samuel Brock Flynn Show on air. Hello, I'm Samuel Brock Flynn. We got Chris Free. And Joey Good evening, Russell, everybody. Uh, a Russell. Hey, how are you? And uh, we got that. We got our, our special guest. How are you guys? Uh, Joey Russell. He's a cinematographer. Yeah. Good evening, Joey. I'd like to just introduce yourself and tell you a little about your background, what you do, and the audience there. Sure. Yeah. Well, I uh, I'm a cinematographer here in LA. I work on uh, everything from feature films to commercials uh, and music videos. Uh, but at the same time, I also work with a bunch of different YouTube channels, uh, producing content uh, for YouTube. And uh, you know, it's a very different environment. Uh, the two against each other. Okay. So these YouTube channels, you basically have come you worked up with the- any famous people? Um, yeah, we you know, with uh, the last project that we've been uh, shooting with a channel called In the Sun, uh, the, the last project involved uh, an actor named Jason David Frank, who was uh, one of the original Power Rangers. Um, and there's a, there's a community of, uh, of prominent uh, celebrities that, you know, just love working on YouTube as well. So you've got your Nathan Fillion, your Grant Imahara, uh, Chris Hardwick, obviously all over the internet, and uh, they, like it's it's this whole kind of backyard uh, playground uh, down here in LA where you can uh, you can just call up a bunch of people and say, hey, you want to shoot a video next week? And you know, there's a chance that someone on that video will be someone very well known. Hmm. Yeah. So a lot of them basically. Yeah. So when you were working yeah, with these uh, people, a lot of times, you know, they're not always real hard to get some of these stars on board for a little money, or is it? These are mostly fan films that you're doing. The, yeah, you know, and it's YouTube videos. so the the thing the thing about a fan film is obviously there's not a lot of uh, money being thrown around, um, but there is a lot of heart and a lot of passion, and uh, you know, the very first few fan films I worked on were not you know, because they were going to pay well, but because I got the opportunity to say that I had worked on a Batman film. And, you know, I think the first one I did, there were very few fan films out there. So when you say you've worked on a Batman film, you're stacked up against the the Warner Brothers productions, you know, like the 89 and the 93 and things like that. Um, And uh, I I feel like, you know, celebrities will participate in that for the same reason. You know, they're fans. Yeah. Yeah, they're like you said, they're the fans of you know growing up as a kid or, or a teenager too as well. Anybody else? And they, now that 
you know, for the audience out there who doesn't really know what a fan film, can you describe what a fan film is? Well, so a fan film is basically uh, a film that is made on an existing IP uh, without the usage rights to that film. So there's, or to that character rather. So there's um, already some inherent problems. You can't ever sell the film um, because it's not your property to sell. Um, so they're, they're, they tend to be very low budget, um, and you, you can't. It's very difficult to distribute the film, at least up until YouTube. Um, so YouTube has opened this door for a bunch of people to be able to um, share this content. And uh, some of the stuff that comes out of uh, fan filmmaking has honestly been more uh, has been more accurate to the character than a lot of Hollywood stuff because you don't have a, a board of uh, people to please. You don't have a toy company to please. You don't have other sponsors to please. You don't have, you know, an actor who says he's not going to do a certain thing or wants this certain shot in the film. You you get down to the core fandom and. You know, obviously the production values are lower, um, but I think there's more character in a lot of these pieces. I've seen some of these fan films on, uh, you know, online, and some of these basically, you know, they look like they have an actual huge budget sometimes, or from visual mm-hmm. effects to the costumes and everything else. Yeah, and a lot of times it's, it's more... With computers now these days, a lot of these digital effects can be done really cheap. It's just more knowledge and... Uh, time-consuming, I guess. That, that, that's the thing. And, you know, people, uh, young filmmakers are getting more and more multi-talented uh, than ever. You don't have this specialization uh, in the, the workforce as much. So someone who's a good director will, you know, can occasionally also know a lot about visual effects and, you know, be able to do it for himself. It'll take longer and it'll take more of his time and energy, but, you know, uh, obviously you you can do that without a lot of money, um, and you know, with with a lot of big budget projects, it's it's amazing how much money has to be spent to see a change on the screen, um, because nine times out of ten, the the money is going not not onto the screen itself, but into someone's pocket. Um, and and obviously there are other things that uh, that a big budget production will do that a YouTube production won't. Unfortunately, some of those things revolve around safety, around permits, uh, and things like that. So, again, you run into another kind of legal snafu with uh, the idea of fan films. Now, what kind of feature films have you worked on in recent years? So, there were a couple uh, early on in, uh, I believe it was 2011, a couple horror films. Uh, Cesar Nato's Deadly Christmas, um, which is uh, still circulating right now. In fact, I think you can get it on Netflix. Um, there was Finders Keepers, Thieves and Killers, uh, kind of psychological thriller. Um, and then uh, I got to work uh, as part of the camera crew on a film called Dead Inside, uh, which came out in about 2012, I believe, and uh, has been circling uh, festivals since. And in fact, that that uh, cinematographer that I got to work under on that project has gone on to, uh, you know, win festival after festival with uh, other films. So, you know, that was a great learning experience for sure. And 
You also worked so, on uh, so a lot Joe, of stuff with the I have a few sports. Um, sorry, which which question? Um, my See, question. You guys were talking is, about uh, the work that photographer do. Uh, well, well a cinematographer kinda. or director of photography, it's um, it's a bit of a balancing act, uh, and it's a little bit of a blurred line job. Um, generally, uh, you're in charge of the, the look and feel of the uh, film. You're in charge of the lighting design. You're usually in charge of a lot of the camera angles uh, and uh, some of the pacing of the camera movements. Um, and uh, I, I say it's a blurred line because there are some directors who really know what they want visually, and they know their, know what they want in terms of lighting and know what they want in terms of camera angles, and it's the DP's job to kind of interpret that and translate that and make sure that the crew is able to do that. And then there are other directors who just want to focus on the actors. So as a director of photography, you're entirely in charge of the lighting setup, yeah. entirely in charge of where the camera's going to be. And it's just, you know, that's why you see a lot of uh, cinematographers and directors that work together again and again because it's like two puzzle pieces that have to fit together very well. Yeah, because you got to work, like you said, you got to work with that director's vision. And, and also, too, yeah. like the director a lot of times, he want, you know, the photographer that has that same type of look that he's looking for. So, you know, yeah, colors so it, it's a very, it's definitely a very symbiotic relationship and uh you know there it's i feel like usually it's more on the cinematographer's shoulders to kind of work with a director you know kind of fit with the style and be a little bit more flexible depending on what kind of director uh the person is but when you get two people who can work together great it you know it really just comes together now do you have any directors that you you know directly work with that on a regular basis or or mostly a lot of times the, well you know, the, I definitely the, the have um, I have my uh, director over at Bat in the Sun his name is Aaron Shrunka and uh, he he and I have worked together for uh, a couple of years on fan films now and outside of fan films uh, there is uh, a production company called Cypher Art Studios here in Los Angeles and uh, the director there, Sasha Travis, is uh, someone I'm actually on set with right now because uh, we're prepping for a shoot in a couple days. And can you explain a little about the shoot? Are you oh, cool. at liberty to actually Let's talk about shoot. the shoot? Well, it'll be a uh, short film uh, that we're taking about two days to shoot. That's I think that's all I can really talk about at the moment. But it's uh, it's a group of people that I've worked with before that's a very kind of theater-minded uh, group. The, the style that they do is very, you know, com- comes from the world of theater rather than the world of film. So, th- I mean, this is what I was talking about where a director will very much focus on the actors and not so much be concerned about the camera and lighting. So uh, I like working with this group because it gives me a lot of creative freedom with with uh, lighting design and camera angles and things like that. Now, you also do do sports. Oh, cool. Wow. And you, you have worked a lot with, the, like, Fox Sports and, you talk about your and some other live, live shows and stuff, too. Yeah, so I've worked with uh, Fox Sports West for the last uh, three years as a field camera operator, mostly for uh, football. 
Um, and I feel like that is good training for a cinematographer because oh, oh. you don't you don't have control over the lighting, you don't have control over what you have to shoot, and yet you've still got to make every shot look pretty. Um, so I, you know that, and uh, you know documentary shooting, you know news, uh, ENG style shooting. I feel like uh, you know that's a good grounding for a cinematographer because you get to see how how to make the average things look look good and look pretty and then when you get on set and you have a full lighting truck then you can uh you can build upon that. Okay, and uh, did you originally learn cool. filmmaking from the film side? Did you like on 16 and 35 film or did you actually when you got your you know started film making did you actually go starting the HD video? When I when I started out, I was on uh, Super 16 film, uh, definitely in film school. That was my choice, but it got it's definitely expensive, especially for a student to to produce uh, shorts and things like that on on film on film stock. So when HD cameras got up to uh, the caliber um, that that I was happy with uh, in uh, Late, late in my uh, college career, I started shooting on those, and you know, I still, I still like film, but I definitely appreciate the advantages that you'll get from digital shooting. Yeah, a lot, a lot of times, with film, film, it's like, you know, there's other problems that sometimes arise too. It's like, I had one time where I had the lab actually uh, put too much chemicals actually on my student films and. Was well, a film student at Columbia College in Chicago, and next thing you know, it's like come back. It, they had too much chemicals and and pretty much destroyed my films. Like at least with the right, video, and it all comes down to the yeah. Um, and then the, you have you know non-destructive, uh, non-linear editing and non-destructive color correction. That basically means if you do screw up something like that in color correction or in your processing, even in a transcode or something like that, you're never destroying the original um, like, like you are in certain cases with uh, film practices. And again, they're like, with, even with film, there are ways around that, but it just gets so expensive to keep cop- copies and copies of the, uh, the master footage. Yeah. Yeah, I remember back in the oh. few days of film. How did you get started? We, we like what they call cinematography and uh, TV and all that. Well, more or less, I got started in it um, from working uh, in front of the camera at first. Uh, I was working as a stunt performer, and um, you know, I, I'd been working uh, in front of the camera, you know, from when I was in uh, high school, uh, and on set when they were doing your second unit uh, shots, uh, a lot of the uh, stunt team kind of melds with the camera department because, you know, you want to keep the camera department safe and you want to make sure that you have a good idea of what they're doing and if it's stepping out of the realm of safety, you want to be aware of that. So I ended up learning a lot about cameras just from, you know, being next to them all the time. Um, And so when I went to film school, I bought my own camera, in the like last few years uh, I was at school, I bought my own digital camera and started shooting there. Now, what's some of the, your oh, favorite cool. cameras as far as out there that you work with now, now these days? As far as are you more in like the 
for the DSLR movement, or are you more like the red or well, well some, some it, of the higher it, like it all higher it all comes Sony's? down to uh, you know it all comes down to what a project can uh, handle, and, and you know very rarely is, is that a question of uh, money, you know especially with cameras getting so much cheaper and cheaper, and you know the the uh, Sony Sony camera, the digital camera they used to have. Uh, that before before the red became a thing, the Sony F35 was about a quarter million dollars to own, and now the HD technology is coming down in price so much that it's very rarely a question of money. It's more a question of what kind of process the rest of the film is taking. You know, is it a is it a you know a fast run and gun shoot that you've got to be you know like um, you know, following reality TV style, then you're going to want a different uh, camera, more ENG style body, as opposed to a DSLR or something like that. Um, I definitely, I definitely like the Reds. Uh, I prefer something like a Canon C300, or I mean, even an Alexa if the budget calls for it. And the DSLRs are definitely a good starting point for filmmakers um, that are coming out of school, but they they do certainly have their flaws. Yeah, and each camera is basically different. Where, you know, the DSLR cameras, you know, they came up basically, you know, they're originally, you know, as a still-based camera where they just add video, you know, to mm-hmm. the, these cameras. And of uh, all those listeners out there, uh, Vincent LeFray, who's actually another, he's actually an award-winning uh, photographer, you know, photojournalist, and he did a short, little short film on, on a Canon 5D Mark II, and, and yeah, next thing and, you know, he up on... He was a uh, photographer who definitely knew the ins and outs of that camera and already had uh, a great library of equipment when uh, when people started to just get the idea of shooting with DSLRs. And that's, that's the one thing that I definitely do appreciate about the DSLRs is it opened up all the equipment that was available to photographers... Uh, for use in film and in cinema, uh, the the lenses that Canon and Nikon have been making for uh, portrait photography and things like that, it's been around for such a long time, but it's not it's not been very often that they were used for uh, cinematography or, or film in any way uh, before the DSLRs because uh, you know it I guess it just really hadn't occurred to anybody that these these lenses have been designed much cheaper than cinema lenses, and the, with the ability to handle uh, HD footage, you know, because a digital, a digital photo is much larger than an HD image. Yeah, the sensor sizes on these things, you know, had a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Between that and... Well, but even, even the, the, the pixel density. That, that... Yeah, and the, the depth of field that you get that's, you know... Uh, not so much with the full-frame cameras, but definitely with the APS-C, that's really close to a Super 35 um, or, you know, the same size sensor as a RED or an Alexa. And then with the 5Ds, you've got the full-frame video, which is uh, a completely new look that hasn't really been shot since since this division. Um, and uh, now it's easily accessible. I, I think you can find a used 5D Mark II for probably under a grand nowadays. Now a lot of things now being being pushed, you know, to start going to the 4K and, and as much as 5 and 6K, where you go and jump up to the red cameras. 
Now, where do you um, see this market going as far in the future? And you know, with the 4Ks versus a lot of stuff right right now, like uh, majority of your uh, home televisions are 1080p, but there's a they just now starting to roll out the 4K televisions. Where, where do you see well, the necessary? I'm definitely an advocate of, of shooting in 4K. I definitely uh, think that's a good idea uh, because it does, you know, to a certain extent, it future-proofs your project um, with the original. Um, but moreover, I like the – I. it makes a lot of sense to me that you're shooting larger than you're exporting. You know, even if your video is only going to be HD in the end, if you shoot it in 4K, that means that you have – the ability to reframe uh, in post, which may not look as good, but you know, it's uh, you know sometimes you actually sometimes you really do need something like that, um, and you have you have a 4K image for your visual effects people to work with, which means that they can kind of build a slightly more real image, especially when it gets shrunken down uh, and, and the resolution gets cut, um, it feels much more ingrained in the image itself. So I think that I'm definitely going to be shooting in 4K hey, more often. Yep. Now, with the, in Hollywood right now, what, what, what is your website? We've got nine minutes left, so it's a, almost to wrap it up. But I just want to get some information where people could check out films, IMDBs, and other what have yous. Great. Well, um, my website is uh, just joeyrasool.com, uh, R-A-S-S-O-O-L. And the, the best places to uh, find my work on the Internet, I would definitely check out uh, Bat in the Sun uh, Productions on YouTube and um, Cypher Arts. Um, those are the two uh, companies that I work with the most. Um, and uh, I can I will be putting updates on Facebook and Twitter and things like that. So you can just uh, search Joey Rasul through Facebook and Twitter and find me there. All right. Can you spell your last name as far as to pull out? All righty. Sure. R A S S O O L. I can do it. And also too, it's like now also too with in Hollywood now where you got like you got. The low budgets are using DSL, but you know the bigger budgets. What do you ask the audience viewers, up, listeners out there? What basically the biggest cameras that you mostly see on the bigger Hollywood shoots, like the studio shoots well, you see out these days? So these days, um, everybody thinks that the the red is the biggest player, but um, actually, it's it's still kind of the opposite. The red is designed to do things very cheaply, the most expensive possible things very cheaply, but um, so the, the larger, uh, more popular camera is uh, the Ari Alexa still, uh, and that's been around for years, and um, it's still it's still a, it's still a reigning champion, uh, even though it's you know not a 4K image, it's a 2.7K at the most, um, but there's there's a qualitative difference rather than a quantitative difference. It's not it's not so much about the numbers uh, that the camera can chuck out. It's about the way the image looks, and a lot of um, a lot of the bigger DTs really like the image that comes out of the Alexa. It feels much more like film, um, and uh, you know you can do a whole lot with the red. Um, but I don't know. It's it's got its fans, and it's got its 
its enemies. And I don't know if you heard, you know, there's also a 4K uh, version oh, cool. of Harry Alexa that's actually in the works right now, too, as well. So. I would be, I'd be interested yeah. to see them do that. I think I heard something not too long ago from, from Ari that they weren't necessarily pushing uh, 4K, especially since they uh, recently had their uh, Amira come out, which is, I think, still uh, only an HD image. And that, you know, the Alexa has uh, been around for so long that when they finally built a new camera, you'd think that they would pull out all the stops. But again, it's the way, the things that they do with an image are more qualitative. Um, and I th- feel like Canon is doing similar things now with, like, the C300 because if you look at the C300 just by the numbers, it looks like a woefully overpriced camera for what you're getting. But then you look at the image, and there's something that you can't you can't describe with numbers on a piece of paper that you know that looks good about that image. Yeah, for the audience out there, a C300 actually is a 1080p camera, and they also there's a one right above that, which is actually a 4K camera. That yeah, the C500. Canon C500. Yeah, and uh, and I like I feel like there are definitely uh, people out there that are not 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 fans of uh, Canon for the, the the fact they hold back a lot of their um, a lot of the power in cameras because if you look at the C300 and the C100, they're still the same 4K sensors as the C500, but neither of them can record uh, 4K, and indeed they're much lower bit rates. They're both the C 100 is missing slow-mo entirely uh, from its abilities. Um, But I think that the people that are complaining about that kind of thing are, you know, if you're trying to buy the camera as an individual for yourself, if you're renting cameras or if you are a studio or anything like that, the the little, you know, jump in price there is, is probably a drop in the bucket. So I still I still very much appreciate the the work that they're doing. Now the lighting side, are you you know, now these days you've got a lot more you know, back in the day it was mostly all your tungsten style in HMI lights. You know, you got, mm-hmm. now you got these L E D lights and you got the you know, that or you got the fluorescence out there. Yeah. So what is there a particular type of type of lighting that you like or do you do you prefer some of the newer types of lighting they have, like the LEDs, or? I, you know, I usually I usually work with a real mix, actually, because I use um, I use uh, a lot of LED, like one by ones and things like that for soft lights. They're really good to move around quickly and just go in and fix a problem, like a shadow here or or a fill light there. Um, but then the other light that I use a lot is a Leco. Uh, which is um, more often just the theater light, and it's you know just a big spotlight, about 750 watt usually, and uh, the two of those together, like if you can balance the use of the two of those, and obviously with some little tungsten lights here and there, and maybe a signal uh, flow or something like that. Um, so I mean, you just you've got to be able to balance all the different tools. I don't think you can get by with just using one style of light. Okay, is there anything you said? Oh, sorry you about to, that. That was Facebook. All right, Samuel, you like to Yeah, you what like kind of music videos did you do? Well, uh, still doing uh, 
still doing music videos here and there. Mostly um, I was doing them when, the, when I started out, so it was kind of any local band uh, here in L.A. That was, uh, that was needing one. Um, rock, rap, uh, any, anything really. And, uh, you know, there's, there's so many local bands around in L.A. It's such a, like an artist community that there's always someone looking for a cheap music video, and it's a good way for uh, a cinematographer to start out. Cool. Okay. Anything else that you actually like to uh, tell the audience out there? Hello, Samuel Barclay Show. We'll be ending soon. Well, definitely. Uh, okay, everybody. Thank, thank, make sure thank you, Joyce, for joining us. We'll be ending here in a few seconds here. Thank you very much, uh, Joy, for joining us tonight. And Thank you. Thank this you. is Chris Free. And also my, my co-host here is Samuel Brock. Sam Brock, Brock Flynn with show crew. Samuel Brock Flynn and Chris Free. All right. Thank you, guys. And thank you, guys. And we'll, thank everybody you, else sir. out there, listeners out there, have a great night. And we'll please uh, – Listen to our next show, and we'll thank you for joining us tonight. fashion hotline. Hi, I'm sending out a mayday. My family's closets just aren't ready for spring. SOS, save our style. Help is here from Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's big thank you sale is going on now. Get the season's newest dresses, tees, and jeans, and 30% off your entire purchase. 40% off when you use or open an Old Navy credit card at Old Navy or Old Navy.com. 40% off? I may need to get to Old Navy. You may want to do that right away. It ends tomorrow. Old Navy saves the day. High fashion. Old Navy. Valid 5, 2 to 5, 6. Excludes in store clearance, gift cards, jewelry, register, land items. Today only and two-day only deals. 40% off is subject to credit approval. See stores or OldNavy.com for details. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.